This is a headgum podcast. Okay, well, welcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good uh, welcome. Um, so we, uh, it's our. I guess it would be our season finale. We've done ten episodes. Uh, you told me 100. that's how you're gonna. That's how you're gonna announce the season finale, Finn. Was that? Low energy. Well, I don't. Fu- low energy. You gotta. You gotta. How the fuck? Come how on. else do I say, like? It's like this. It's like guys. We're really excited about today's episode. It's our 10th episode, and we plan on doing a lot more for you guys. We love you guys, and I just had to say, this is number 10, so we pulled out all the stops. (laughs) What were the stops? Well, before, I know you guys were approaching this. What are stops? Stops? I think when you pull out stops, they're in a, a musical instrument that increase or decrease the volume. And so when you pull a stop out, it allows the volume to go way higher. Damn, I should have known yeah, that. You yeah, you should have. I think that's what it is. Yeah, and I think um, I'll do that again then. This is our 10th episode. We're pulling out all the stops. we got your favorite guests, Matt Johnson and Jay McCarroll. No, come on. Just Finn, you're, maybe you, it's you, like, you really you Maybe it's like it. we never stopped. Uh, yeah. We pulled I out all the stops, so we I always go. it? I oversold you, it? Well, you oversold us because how can you say that we are their favorite guests when it's like we, it, we like we're your best uh, friends? You're not gonna. T- so you're not gonna. I take just think it. that they're gonna detect the insincerity, and then right off the bat, they're gonna be like, "Well, that's a lie," and then they turn it off. We're t- we're also talking about Grizzly Man this episode, and oh, dude, which is you one of the. I call it the original Tiger Man. <laughs> How much Tiger it, King? Well, dude, it's the original Tiger King. If if for people who haven't seen it, like this basically is the the entire DNA of Tiger. We were, King. We were talking about the other day. Billy and I were saying. I think in the last podcast we were saying that. Billy hasn't seen Tiger King yet because everyone in the entire fucking world told him to watch it so that it, it's it's hard it's harder to watch. Of course. You know what I mean? It's like it's one of those the hype. Do not believe the hype. But I I saw the first few yeah. episodes, it was really good. You, you yeah, it's know one what? of the, it just it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, everybody's talking about something, it's all over my Instagram. I don't wanna like that's why I haven't even checked the election results yet. Because <laughs> it's just like I've heard way too much about it. Yeah, you just done. I don't yeah. even it's like I'm over it. I'm over, you've oversaturated my uh my social media with this with this and crap. It, it, exactly. It's the rebel in you. Like you feel lame just checking it out, and then you're almost in a kind of um fight with yourself as you watch it because you don't want to laugh, you don't want to enjoy it, because then it's like everybody was right about you. And I get that same feeling. You'd you'd rather be a rebel and just be like Fuck the Tiger King. Yeah, fuck fuck the election. I wanted Trump. How about that? Pricks. Um, but uh, let me tell you something that might help you to watch Tiger King, and that's that it is sort of the brainchild of the guy, Chris Smith, who made the film American Movie. Have you ever seen that documentary? No, but I've heard of it. It's a masterpiece, masterpiece about like – well, I, I won't spoil it, but it's about some guy who's been trying to make a horror movie for a long time. And this guy, Chris Smith, who made it, is like the real deal. He also made um, the that awesome Firefest doc. Oh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, out yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like that two was, years that was ago. a great doc. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I going. It wasn't that accurate though. Like, I, it didn't really reflect my experience too well, <laughs> Dude, honestly. It, with it, the festival, I had an amazing time at Firefest, yeah. and I was like, why didn't they interview me? Because I met my future wife there. Yeah. I got really sick. Um, you had a cold, Finn. And I remember all of us were sharing the same tent. Yeah. And it was like, man, we got to get another tent. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then everyone got separate tents. And then, you know, people started freaking out. I guess I guess to, we were talking, but to... Intro, I mean, who people that don't know um, 
our genius guests today. How's that? It's even worse. Jesus. Okay. Matt Johnson and Jay McCarroll are um, are are our guests today. They're uh, they make a, a show. I made a show, making a show called Nirvana: The Band, the show that is was on Viceland is now kind of in purgatory. A brilliant show. If you've ever seen it, Matt has made um, brilliant movies: The Dirties, Operation Avalanche. Jay is also a composer. Um, who did a new movie called Kid Detective, which you should go see when you have the chance. In theaters now. In theaters in now. In theaters is, is it? now. Yeah, it's in theaters now. In uh, in Canada. Wear a mask. In, in, Wear a mask. Is it playing at, is, uh, is it playing at like a drive-in or something? Because aren't theaters still closed here? Yeah, the theaters in like downtown Vancouver, Toronto are closed. Open. But if, yeah, if you drive out to like the sticks, you can see the Kid Detective. But you're watching it with like farmers. What I mean, what better movie experience than to watch this movie with farmers? Well, dude, Brody has a farmer appeal. Yeah, he does. Yeah, it's like when Tenet, like you said, you had to see Tenet in IMAX. It's like the same thing. You had to see Kid Detective. I really, uh, with farmers, really did not like Tenet. I was gonna MJ and Jay. Did you guys watch Tenet? Yeah, yeah, I saw Tenet. I saw it opening weekend at the Cinesphere, and I had the craziest experience because. The first 40 minutes played, and I was like, man, I can't understand anything these people are saying. I don't mean I couldn't understand the story, because the story was relatively muted in a way. But the way that Nolan is always mixing his dialogue, you're like, Nolan, you must hate these actors, because you don't want me to understand a fucking word of it. So they played 40 minutes. Then the projector dies. And then they restarted the movie from zero. No, so no, that's I, what. No, oh, that's yes. just what actually happens in that's, the movie because it's time. Oh, no, dude, dude. So my experience of Tenet was four hours long, and the only thing I dug was that reverse fight oh, that they so, showed twice. So sick, yeah. I, I was like, "That's amazing. Good I, for I, you guys." But I'm obsessed. It basically, with, was like a music. I'm video. obsessed with talking about Tenet, um, but I, I, I want to hold all my things back because I don't want. I love. You know, I want a job still. So I'm going to type in the Zoom chat what I think. <laughs> and then you guys are going to say, and then you guys are going to say. This is pretty much worse than anything you could have said about well, it. Well, no, because. You, what you can, what you want to say is so yeah, because, bad. No, because no, no, I don't want to. He can't Because I don't want to, you know, uh, say even the movie's good and then piss off people that didn't like it. You know, I don't want to piss off anyone. So, you know what I mean? God, yes, it's coward. true. No, no, no. On, no you know this. what? It's a, it's, it's a specific check, kind check of bravery. Okay, let's watch this. <laughs> oh, shit. Finn. Finley. Good God. Uh, yeah, I can't give a negative or positive vibe, but... Um, okay, yeah. It, it, let's just say it's no Grizzly Man. It's right? no Grizzly yeah. Man. Let's talk about Grizzly Man. Grizzly Man, yes. So, uh, to me, Grizzly Man is one of those films where it was so ahead of its time. Like, this movie came out, like, early 2000s that... that when you watch it today, you're like, oh, man, it feels like this movie invented the reality TV genre. Because that, that coroner, the weird yes, guy, yeah. the, old oh la- the old lady, like these guys are acting in a way that you just don't ever see, but now is ubiquitous on reality television. Did, well, this movie and was so made ha- in, in, in 2000... Five. Uh, 2005? Five, yeah. Well, no, 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 no. There's, there's a lot of tricks going on. So remember this Treadwell, ha- Timothy yeah, Treadwell. Yeah, happened in the 90s, right? He died. No, he died in 2000. I think it was 2001. Okay. Wasn't it 2001 that he died? Because they were saying, like, this is his last footage, and he kept saying Expedition 2001. 
Oh, how did he die again? I didn't. I fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, I think heart he ate, ate a bad salmon. Yeah, I was gonna say um, heart attack. And so and so Herzog got all of his tapes and shit. I think in like two thousand two or two thousand three, and so the film was kind of cobbled together in in those early in, in the years like right after his right. death. So until so, did it come out two thousand five? I think yeah. I think it, it was for people that don't know what this movie is. There was a guy named Timothy Treadwell who. Went out, was it to Yellowstone? Um, it, no, not Yellowstone. It was Alaska. Oh, right, Alaska. And he um, he was, like, obsessed with bears and, like, wanted to film his experience with these bears. And he actually ended up becoming what he thought was close with this kind of, these reoccurring bears that would come and see him. And he would camp out with his girlfriend. And uh, he kind of just lived out there. And he was eaten alive by his <laughs> girlfriend. This is not, it's not, it's true. He was eaten alive, which is like, okay, you know, it's, it's a bummer and it's really horrifying, but it's also just like, if you're, fr- you yeah, yeah, it's bears, a, it's the whole, the whole movie ends up sort of coming off as a very dark joke. There's this dark humor and, yeah, right from the, the very coroner, beginning. The coroner has like this weird, dark, like kind of delivery. Oh yeah. Um, and, and his oh, eyes are big and bulging. Yeah. And half the people in the movie are basically saying he deserved like, it. Like most of the people that Herzog yeah. interviews are like, the, yeah, he got what like he an deserved. Example, he got what was an example of like the type of weird humor current that is in the movie is that it'll show up footage of Timothy talking to camera of the stuff that he's captured. And you know that he's at some point going to be eaten by one of the bears behind him. And then it'll cut to the present and it's the coroner. And he slaps his hand on this metal right. coffin and he goes, this is where all of his remains were in one big pile. And it's just so <laughs> matter of fact. And you're like, yeah. oh, my God, this is chilling. I, and and the, that was the thing is that people were like, it, it, the whole thing was that. And, and it's really interesting how they talk about his death because they basically say like, you know, everything is fine until one bear decided to ruin, the, you know, decided to get into the mix it was an angry bear that was hungry, um, and I guess what ended up happening was like it was just this one. This he pissed off this kind of one. This one bear that was super. Fun. Yeah, but it was the, the bear that he like bear. he like didn't know in a weird way because he had gone for thirteen summers and he went like again later than he'd ever been. So he'd never been there before. Thirteen summers. So the so like his homies were gone, and now there was just this new guy. At the, the new end bear, one forty-one. Yeah, that was and super hungry. fucking. Yeah, one forty-one exactly. And angry and like not down to like be treated like a dog. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? But and, and the thing that's really interesting and why I was watching Werner Herzog interviews yesterday was that number one, he's you know probably one of the most revolutionary filmmakers ever, but. He, you know, there's the the famous thing where he, he has no sense of irony, and I think that like plays a lot into this movie. It's like super matter of fact. Um, and I was also thinking, there's so much in it. How much do you think is because obviously with documentary you can play with fictional stuff. You can play with like the, how much do you think is set up? Um, and how much do you think is, you mean set up with the actors? Sorry, set up with like the people that Herzog interviews. Right. I think. All that shit is set yeah. up. It, like I watch, I watch those those people talk about Treadwell, especially the kind of bigger blonde woman who like 
has the recording of him dying. Insane. It's crazy when Herzog is like, you must never listen yeah, to this. That's... It, will, it will be a white elephant in your life. And the camera goes, like, will push right into her as though it was it's like, okay, now perform. Yeah. Perform. Get ready. It, like, he, he kind of makes people who, dance who, the that, way he would that make was that chicken dance. What his, the, his sister or his sister-in-law, the girlfriend's... I don't remember who it was. His assistant who? and also his ex-girlfriend. I right, think. his ex-girlfriend, that's who it was, who yeah. has it. With the camera. It, Which apparently... So it's insane. A, that I mean, scene is so thing, insane. The thing is, is like, and why this movie, I think, was also like mid-2000s pretty big is because it became this lost media game. People... It doesn't it doesn't exist on the internet. For a long time, people thought that the... Basically, Timothy Treadwell, when he died... The camera was still recording, but so they say the camera was still recording, but the lens cap was on, so you can only hear the audio of literally him being eaten alive. It's horrifying, and um, for a long time, people were like trying to find it. People thought that it was on the internet; it wasn't. Um, it was never uploaded. But then again, it's like you ask that question: Is that in the movie? Is he actually listening to the real tape? Um. You know, why would she own that? You know what I mean? Why would she have that? Why wouldn't... I think she just got the camera after he died. She probably... But why, probably just, but why like, wouldn't... Why wouldn't, like... I guess there's no crime involved. I was going to say, why Why wouldn't, like, the police have it? But I guess it's like... Dude, speaking of... When he... She goes to get his watch. Like, he died wearing his watch. And then, yeah. like, they're like, Oh, sorry, it's still in an evidence bag. I was like, What are you trying to solve? <laughs> You got the bear. Do you think there was a second bear 142 was on the loose and they had to like, I was like, why? Just give the watch back. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they, I think it was real. Alaska, I would imagine. They have their own, they've got their own special like uh, like bear force where they take these things very seriously. And so everything was just bagged in evidence. And look, I'll tell you, you know the tape exists because the coroner refers to it too. Because he was like, I listened to the tape and it's how I was able to create like the crime scene. Well, there yeah. was a from their fake. Body I don't know if you saw years ago. I, I saw this movie and then I rewatched it when a few days ago when you told me uh, that you wanted to talk about Grizzly Bear or Grizzly Man. I mean, and I remember searching for it. I didn't want to, but I just had this curiosity of like wanting to hear the tape. And there is one that is fake, but it sounds very convincing. Mm-hmm. But at the same with Treadwell's audio, yeah. But it's it's also not convincing at all. It's convincing to anyone that you would sh- like show like if you were to say like, hey, here's this here's audio of a guy getting eaten by a grizzly bear. You could maybe do it, but like if you uh, if you actually listen to it, it's pretty like the post production sound is like uh, it's brutal if you know what you're talking <laughs> well, about. Well, no, the grizzly, no, the t- it's bad post production sound because they have like like stock uh, grizzly bear growls like. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, uh, but I mean, yeah, Jesus, man, what a way to go. It's crazy that he knew the whole time that he was going to die. Like yeah, it's all f- like half so the, crazy. half the film is just comprised of his like tapes. And he's like, this is the most dangerous job in the world. I risk my life. I will die for these bears. They're my best friend. I will die for them. I, this will be my death. I will die here happy. And it's like, dude, like Jesus he really Christ. was, he, he really so knew. badly wanted to be famous. He had, yeah, oh, yeah. like God. I watched this guy and I think like he, this is an actor who moved to L.A. to try to. Well, he, this he this is so crazy wh- when you when you read into his backstory and his yeah, parents are talking it, and they yeah. say, you know what really destroyed him is when he came in second place to getting on Cheers. To Woody yes. Harrelson. 
and didn't get that cheers. really destroyed and him. You're like, this is the origin story of this grizzly man. He became a supervillain. It's, it's. I believe that it's totally true. He's like Michael Jackson in many ways. Like he has a similar kind of voice. Like he has. He had a transformational thing that happened where he had a massive failure, and they were like, okay, you can. Oh, no I thought longer... you meant like transformational, as in like look wise. Oh yeah, he he went from he used to be black, and then he he changed his entire look to be a white guy. But like it was like something happened that devastated him, and then he decided, okay, I'm going to live this whole new life where I can't be judged. Because and what is what it I though? It's, I, yeah, I can be away from people, and if people see this, then they could say I'm the bear. Right, and and I can I mean? still have like some power over my identity and my life. And why and bears? It, why like it seems got, sometimes he, like he's genuinely passionate, but he's also like a martyr in a way. I think he was performing, and I think a lot of it was like, yeah. Number one, why bears? And two, like, was he? Did he just like? guess that the bears were going to be cool with him i wonder i wonder what the first time was like when he was like hanging out with the bears and petting them and stuff i wonder if he was like oh my god they're not fucking eating me this is crazy and then he got used to it (laughs) saw a picture of a bear and he's just like you know what yeah bears bears (laughs) it's insane how little he knows about bears and like wildlife in the environment though and like it's kind of revealed throughout the thing that he actually has no fucking clue what he's doing and just for 13 years he just got lucky that's what i was saying i think he just guessed that like (laughs) and then i think he did it because they're the most dangerous fucking thing like a bear is insane i was the first thought i had watching them i was like Bears are real. How bears about, are fucking crazy. Especially these grizzly bears. Did you see when the two were fighting and the one shits on it's, the ground? Yeah. And you look at oh them. They God. look huge. They look like, like Russian no, sumo wrestlers. They're real monsters. They're like... Uh, yeah, they're real they're monsters on, on Earth. real monsters on Earth. I saw a bear for the first time in BC and... I shit my pants. It was a cub and it was giant and we were driving past it and it jumped. It leapt into a cornfield. And I was like, this... You actually shit your pants? Yeah. Was this one of those things where you actually shit your pants? Yeah, I was in the back seat. I shit my pants. And I You're shit, fighting I shit the bear, pants. and then you both shit at the same time. What was the last time you guys shit your pants? Pull over. Have you guys shit your pants as an adult? Yes, I have twice. It's not like a full like shit. Like a More shart. like a shart, I think they call it. But Matt has. Y- y- no, I did for real. My my brother, so I was on a camping trip, just my brother Were and I. Were there bears? Going Were there down. bears? No, no, thank God, because if there were, I would have been slaughtered this morning. My brother food poisoned us with some old chicken. Oh, I, I remember this the story. Next morning to him <laughs> screaming, to him screaming as though he was possessed by the devil. And I was like, whoa, something's up with Eric. And then I left the tent and was like, oh, well, while Eric's screaming, I guess I'll just take in the morning sun and then blast. My special camping pants were full, were full. <laughs> And I mean like full, and it was a mess. And I love these pants, and so I just I tried to wash myself off in the in the lake, which was a running river, and the lake took the pants and my underwear. <laughs> no. oh, how oh, yeah. how did you not have time to? You, so so Finn, you're not old enough to know that there are there will be times in your life. Yeah. When there's no when there's no time, it happens very quickly. An explosion goes off, and well, no, I know th- what that. I know what an expl- I know when an ass explosion happens. I'm just saying, is there? <laughs> you definitely, you have Matt. You had time, even like you halfway couldn't through. Even halfway you, you, through, you, you, you could have taken off the pants. You know nothing. <laughs> you know nothing because this was. As I said, this was an act of God. He was like, it was like God hated these pants. And, and it was, they were bright blue. I can understand why he did. But God was like, no when way. W- I'm done with these pants. What was the second time? 
The second time was less noble. I was trying to impress a girl, and uh, it was more of a Jay situation where it was that where it was. Uh, you were trying like an, to like impress was, a girl. It, how? It, I was like doing some moves in my old room on chimney stack. I, no, I like dance moves. I was like, "How about this? How about this?" And then one, I just the leg went too far, and, <laughs> and, a, and, a, and I would say a fart sublimated into something different. Like this is a disgusting conversation. Anyway, she played it off like nothing had happened, and so did I. And I give her so much respect for that. Oh. She she gave she gave me my dignity. She gave me my. And dignity. Now you're married. <laughs> No, 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 no. Well, what are you going to do after that? Let, this the, was Fire Festival? Dude, you guys were both there. We were sharing a tent. And, uh, and you and loaded <laughs> up that tent. This was Fire Fest. Those poor people. They were, Remember what the sandwiches they were eating? The fucking oh, the cheese sandwiches? The cheese sandwiches, yeah. Uh, I, I, I still had a good time. Anyways. Um, okay, let's, let's say what we thought was really going on with Treadwell, because I've got some theories. What are you, like mentally? Yeah. I like, think... Oh god! <laughs> I think he, 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 it's fair oh, for god, us to. Psych- I guess that's what the movie offers us is a chance to psychoanalyze him. I think. Well, you know, Werner Herzog doesn't believe it in psychoanalysis. He told me to my face. Did you actually? Did really? Yeah, in in Switzerland, I said uh, I was. I'd lied. I'd said I was one of his old students. This is when I was a film student, and I said I have to talk to him for a project I'm writing. And so it's just me and Herzog. First thing he says when he sees me is, "I don't know this man." I don't know him. He says it to his assistant. And so I get 10 minutes with the old man and I'm asking him Was about he still cool? psycho. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're still good buddies. We're, he's still my friend. And, um, and he said openly, he doesn't believe in, I don't believe in psychoanalysis. I think that uh, it is, it is a way to avoid life. And um, so us psychoanalyzing Treadwell, it's why he doesn't do it. Like, he doesn't say, this is what I think is wrong with Tourette. Well, he disagrees with him. Like, at at the ending, there's that nice sentiment where it's that close-up of the bear. And he goes, where Timothy sees uh, a friend, I just see chaos and nature, indifferent. A cold indifference. Ice cold. The only, only, uh, what's he say, the only constants in life. Uh, murder, chaos, yeah. <laughs> and, and and the bored look of somebody who's looking for something to eat. <laughs> it's like over top of shots of Timothy being like, "Go away, you you get out of here. I love you. <laughs> you're my friend. Yes, you're my here friend." Here we see yeah. Timothy trying to plead with it to form some sort of bond. I I think Hi there. I think <laughs> here we yeah yeah. Hi, you want to be friends? Yeah, that's not bad. Both both you and Billy are good at this Timmy uh, Timothy voice. Um, I think he was uh, narcissistic. Um, yeah, big time. Certainly, he, yeah. Well, he kept saying that he was defending the bears and saving the bears. Uh, yeah, I think he, I Poachers. think he he did. I think he had a he was disconnected from reality. I think he was having he was untreated. It was obvious, like. It was a continuous episode. This guy is having a continuous episode where he... Yeah, I can't tell whether he actually believes this or it's a it's a performance. Well, I, I think, think he, he has to believe it. Yeah, I think he also... He probably really did, like, love the animals, but if he really loved them, he'd know that what he was doing... It's so interesting that they're saying what he was doing is doing more harm than good because they're like, you can't make bears think that humans are safe because then they will get killed. 
a lot right. of the time. Exactly. If you domesticate them in that way. And that one indigenous dude in Alaska yeah, that Herzog interviews, yeah. and he's like, so what do you think of his connection to bears? And the guy was like, it was yeah. horrible. We, know, we never get close to bears. And if you do, it fucks everything up. You don't cross that boundary. So I think Treadwell was just a lo- lone gunman. I think he was a, a lonely ex-actor. He's pro- probably had some untreated you know, personality disorder that played into narcissism, which then led him yeah. to go and live with bears in Alaska. The the narcissism stuff is, like, insane, though, because, well, first of all, just the whole time he's like, there's no one else who could do this. If you did this, you'd be dead. You <laughs> you'd would be, be dead. If you came out dead. here, you yeah. would be dead. Cut to the corner. And then... Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. film is so dark, you know, just cutting from him, booping a bear on the nose, boop. Boop, and then cut to this is the site where he was found. It's like this is so <laughs> the crazy dark. Thing, I, I think it comes in like twenty minutes into the movie where they're talking about the guy in the plane that's circling around. I love yeah, that. Yeah, that guy was yeah. great. That guy, does that guy not remind you of Dale Finn? Yes, he, yeah, of course. We, we there was this- we had a, a driver in Calgary. There's this driver who's the best guy ever. Not like I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on the pilot guy, but he just had the same mustache and a similar kind of cadence, and I, I love I loved it. <laughs> I like that song he sings at the end that basically says, "Yeah, it, 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 I mean, if you see the, the smiley film, you know face, the smiley face obvious, message was my favorite." Is that like, he basically makes he doesn't the point say we're going to kill you, Timmy, but it yes, just says he was a you freak. Were. Here's the smiley yes, face. He was crazy. <laughs> we're going to come yes, get you. He maybe even made the world worse, but we as a society are better off with those people than without them. And that's sort of the song that he sings at the end. He changes the lyrics of this song to put Treadwell in amongst all these other famous people who are no longer around like Geronimo and et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, yeah, these people are crazy. And yes, it's annoying having them around, but you'd rather live in a world with them than without them. And it's kind of a beautiful sentiment. And why, though? Why why are, are we better with them? Well, we're talking about it, aren't we? So just for our entertainment? It's not. It's, it kind of gives a dimension to life that if they didn't exist, we like we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to learn from them. So now Treadwell what, is like a legend. We, we, we wouldn't can think of and Treadwell. we wouldn't even be able to learn from him. Right, <laughs> right. So. It's true. It is a cautionary. tale. I canceled it my is, trip to Alaska after watching that. It movie. is. It is a cautionary tale of don't fucking like. Don't poke the bear. Literally, don't poke the bear. Don't drop. Don't don't drop everything. It's the same thing with that Emil Hirsch, Sean Penn movie, Into the Wild. This guy, yeah, yeah. This guy just dropped everything. Didn't really know anything about survival skills. Went into the woods and fucking died. Like it teaches that you you need to make that leap, even if you don't want to, to be mature enough to respect nature as being not in order the way our human society is collectively built on where things make sense and nice but then you go to nature and you got to be like yeah but when we when it comes to nature you just have to accept that it's dark and chaotic and crazy and murderous and wild and and i think guys like treadwell and herzog a lot of herzog's films they show us the edge they collectively show us the edge because i think that society is getting so much safer and the world generally is getting so much safer that it, it is important to remind us all where the edges and boundaries are. 
right? Don't jump off this 100-foot cliff. Don't run into traffic. It's like things that happen to you as a kid that give you a bit of a scare, and then you go, oh, I won't do that again. Like, we still need those things. And so you need someone like Treadwell, not only to be like, don't go near bears, but also don't promise everybody that you're going to be a movie star, right? Don't tell everybody in your life, oh my God, I'm number two for cheers. I almost got it. Because then you're going to wind up like sort of promising everybody all these different things. And I mean, you guys know as well as anybody, like things don't always work out and then you're stuck and that can be painful, right? So let's, I mean, we can use an example from anybody here. It's like, like one of you guys are up for an amazing role and you're going to be in a movie and you're like, holy fuck, I'm going to be fucking James Bond or I'm going to be the new Spider-Man or I'm going to be anything. And you're so excited that you want to share that with the people you love. So you do. And then it doesn't happen. And now you have the combined pain of not getting the thing that you wanted and, and, and looking yeah. like a fool. I don't know if and, you guys know this about me, but I was second for uh, Stranger Things, uh, one of the kids. You, he was, you were going to be the main yeah, kid. Yeah, I was going right? to be the main kid. I remember. I was coaching you. So my, yeah. so my character. Uh, um, I think I, I, people I, don't refer to you as the main yeah, kid. Yeah, I don't know if you're yeah, the main. No who who is the main, main kid then? <laughs> well, there's like 10 main kids no 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 there's a main kid we should you know talk what about we it, haven't but... seen it but uh we <laughs> hear it's really taking <laughs> the main off kid hasn't been revealed <laughs> the main kid hasn't been but introduced yet he's coming he's season coming. four but he'll be introduced main. maybe finally finally we get the protagonist yeah but it's 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 you have to be careful you have to be careful like what you with your identity, because look what it did to Treadwell. Treadwell told everybody, I'm going to be a star. Reality didn't give him that thing that he promised, and so he needed to change reality. And if, and if he had gotten and, cheers, Woody Harrelson would have been eaten by a bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's imagine, amazing to think of Tim Treadwell in Natural Oh, War man. <laughs> or in Zombieland. Woody Harrelson's career now. White men, white men can't <laughs> jump. Yeah, white men can't jump. He's there with that high-pitched voice with Wesley Snipes. <laughs> oh, it's hard. It's hard making you look this good. It's hard. <laughs> this is hard work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For being like this, oh, super, this super alpha male in uh, Zombieland. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The his dude. his actor friend is that was my least favorite part of the movie because it's like this guy was like doing monologues know, the whole Venice time Beach, and like the camera going yeah. back and forth to the he'd surf. Like, and he there's would, an old saying where I come from, and then he'd like I don't even know I zoned out half the time he was speaking. He but was it's acting just that yeah he he really was acting the, the whole time. He was acting. It was bullshit. I I I think that yeah I think I also need to watch all Werner Herzog's stuff. Um. You don't need to watch it all because, look, I mean, I'm a big Herzog fan. And in my opinion, a lot of it is like his fiction filmmaking. I think you can actually avoid watching a lot of it. Like, but if, a, if you're, a Geary. If you're run- the documentaries are good. What's that one God, that we the, saw, Johnson, at TIFF about the, the cave Blank paintings? One? That Les Blank one is actually made by Les Blank and it's a and, – like he makes it about her. Right. Oh, okay. it's the yeah the the that's the one about the making of Agiri, right? That movie is incredible. And is it better than Agiri? In my opinion, it's ten times better because Agiri, the Wrath of God, is a movie about a guy basically dragging a ship over a mountain, which is like a like an old story. It actually happened, and it stars 
King, uh, Klaus Kinski, right. who's like a psychotic, psychotic German actor that had a really close friendship with Herzog, and it basically shows their dynamic. And this film is like unbelievable because they actually drag the ship over the mountain, and you get to watch it happen. It's it's like a masterpiece. I think it's way better than the film. But if you want to if you want to see something awesome. Herzog's first film, like the very first thing that he oh, is that kind freak, of did. Freak Show, is that what it's called? Or Freaks? No, no, no. Yeah, the no, Freaks is a is a is a different film. That's where they say one of us, one of right. us at the end. Um, but he did make a movie with a bunch of midgets. But this movie called the little, little Ecstasy. Uh, oh yeah, they had it. Oh, they were both in there. Um, so <laughs> they had they had a film. He made a film called uh, the. Uh, it's a oh man, the exquisite. Uh, the ecstasy of woodcarver steiner and it's about a german ski jumper and that's the whole film it's just this guy going off ski jump after ski jump and herzog narrating it it's crazy he made it for like german television and let's just say it's the beginning of the herzog aesthetic got it he like appears halfway through with a huge mustache on on camera explaining how he's in love with woodcarver steiner there's also a uh there's a good uh a good one where what's uh Herzog eats a shoe. That's Les Blank. Yeah. yeah. It's a good one yeah. too. Um but yeah, yeah, this is I mean, I'm glad uh I'm glad we all got to watch it again. Um I hadn't I had never seen it before. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. But yeah. I mean I I'm I guess I'm I'm pretty much like good to not talk about it anymore, but the the freak out scene that he has like just to camera when he blows up, yeah, it's, is was insane. Yeah. That was so awesome to watch. That was so in like. Uh, are, I, are you talking the, about when he like starts naming names of like the, yeah, the, the, and then the, he the keeps like services? we're not gonna yeah we're not gonna name the names. It's like cutting in the audio of him freaking out is cutting in and out, and it's so funny and so insane. And like I think that's kind of the best look into who this guy is a little bit, just because it's like he was had that persona of like, oh, I love everybody. You're the queen of the, you're the queen of the forest. You're the greatest yeah, fox yeah. ever. And then serenity now, and then just blows up it, and like, yeah, I don't even know. It's crazy that all that was captured. He was just willing to do that in front of the camera and I guess cut it out afterwards. But yeah, it's, it was really cool. Billy, speaking of, uh, speaking of that genre, it's not at all the same genre, but it's mock mockumentary documentary. Billy, uh, I think had only seen, clips of nirvana the band the show when we all first started talking and since then he's watched the whole show is that true i thought we all talked about it way back then bill you were faking it no he just was silent i, I never talked about it i never talked it was about just it. me I, I just flew under the radar no i had seen like a couple episodes because finn my old roommate john like loved it i always tried to get us to watch it we just honestly like we never did at the time and then with like finn a couple last how long ago was that like 18 months yeah. ago or whatever it was like you got to watch watch a couple episodes, but then since we moved into the new place, I, I just me and my roommates all watched the whole thing. You can see how Herzog's like a big influence on on us making that show, eh? Like certainly the way that Jay and I would just try to go out and shoot real shit all the time, real people, and almost making that like our. I don't want to say philosophy, but being like, no, 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 that's the best way to do it. The best way to do it is like the uncomfortable in the real world actually doing it. Her, her, that, Herzog obviously is a huge influence on on me, anyway, as a filmmaker. But definitely our approach, was, where we're just it like was that. First, when we made the 
first bit of the web show and we started going out and shooting with people and we had an idea for what you know our story was where this band we're trying to we, we were doing all that but then when we got the footage back and we would just have fun looking at what was captured and like what we caught but, and we would see sometimes just little bits of minutiae little moments and just moments right. of realness and then, on and people then edit and then through editing just have it all come together and make it linear. We, yeah, yeah, we, we'd make that the centerpiece. In fact, Herzog even says this in Grizzly Man. Remember that amazing quote that he has when he's talking about Treadwell being like, but he also has the eye of a filmmaker. Here, a fox walks into the shot yeah. and he uses it. And it was like, wow, okay. Like, it, it, it's, it's such a great lesson, I think, for young filmmakers too, which is like, go out with your plan and shoot something. But if something crazy happens... That's now keep your, your movie. keep your lenses on, like keep keep an eye because once we found something, even if it didn't work with our plan, we'd be like, well, this is so much more interesting what we caught here than what our little plan, our little script is. Yeah. So well, let's just re- rewrite it so we can use this, and in fact, we can bolster this up so that now it has meaning, and that now it'll right. be even more impactful. And the question that I have had is, what do you guys, I know you guys have an outline. What do those outlines look like? How many pages are those outlines? You know what? The dirty trick is that the outline exists mostly in our heads. And it, that's what you'll, you'll, th- that happens when you work with the same people day in, did day Vice out. Did Vice ever ask for anything? Like, did anyone it, ever ask for, for the a, first a, episode. a written outline? Yeah, the first episode we had to send an outline over, but then as soon as like our executives saw the first episode that we finished, they said we didn't have to submit anything anymore. I think that Matt Miller, our producer, would send over like little ideas right, of like right. what the what the episodes or, would be just for legal reasons. They wanted to make sure we weren't making anything about like Michael Jackson. Right. Was it um, was it ever was it ever backwards? Did you ever film and like film a clip or something and then send it to them and say say this is what the episode is going to become? We never sent them anything other than finished episodes. Right. Okay. That's that's like pretty incredible. Well, we got very lucky. This was like the Wild West time with Vice, and they were extremely cool. I know with how they were working, with and us that's and because we were working out of the Canadian office, and all of the the leaders were in New York. So, so it was, yeah, you just kind of had your own thing going. What, yeah, and we shot out of that house. So what? Uh, where Where is that house? It's at it's one hundred seven Shaw. So it's okay. Queen right and at, Shaw. Right at uh, Queen and Shaw, basically Queen and Ossington. Word. And okay. that, uh, and I remember going when I, this is your, it's crazy how long, I feel like obviously you guys would know best, but I feel like I've changed certainly since I met you guys. I was like, I think I was 14 when I met you guys. Now I'm almost 18. I turned 18 in a oh, month. Oh, good, good for you, Finn. That's really great. Almost 18. Good for you. <laughs> Fuck you. I would. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, guys, why don't we all say what our favorite thing about Finn that has changed yeah. is? Because I, yeah, I think that's what he yeah. was. That's How much have I changed? Yeah, like, let's my all go around and say the best thing about no, Finn. No, what, what I was going yeah. to say was I went to, we got we, we shot something, which isn't out. Um, I don't know, we whatever. We'll talk about that our later. Se- the, se- the season three episode. Yes. Which probably when you, is like maybe in the top three best episodes we've ever made. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, fuck, I'm excited to see it one day. But I remember that night I came over to, to the place, to the house on Shaw. And it was like, I think I remember saying to you guys, this is like being on the set of Seinfeld. Like, this is like, 
this is like my Seinfeld. This is like being, you know, like if you went on and you went to the apartment set, like that's how it felt for me being on like the ground floor. You know what I mean? Um, I, I vaguely <laughs> remember that. Yeah, that was, that was like, a lot of fun. You, had, you were so positive. You were just like filled with all this positivity. You came into the house and you're just like, oh, this is great. Yeah, cool. Tell me more about this. Oh, yeah, awesome, guys. Like you was, had, I, you were brimming. Yeah. I was, and I still am. Um, I remember having a conversation <laughs> with Matt and pitching him these ideas and we were talking about them and I go, I go, man, this is just so crazy. And he was like, what, what, why? Why is this so crazy? And I go, because it's like, you know, you guys are some of my favorite filmmakers. It's like, who's your who's your favorite filmmaker? And Matt goes, well, actually, I don't know if I really have a favorite filmmaker and blah, blah, blah. It's the truth. It still I know, is. I know that. And so I, I go, okay, fine. Then what's a, what's a, what's a movie that you like? And you go, oh, I love Grand Budapest Hotel. And I go, okay, you're on the set of Grand Budapest Hotel after the fact, and you're talking to Wes Anderson, pitching him ideas. Does that not, would that not freak you out? And you said, no. And I don't remember what your explanation was, but you said no. Um, don't don't get yeah, him to explain you know that. He's just gonna start showing off. Well, I don't want. No, to. I won't. I, I, you know, I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't even have any yeah, show off. It was just the truth. It was it was just the truth. You'd be but nervous, it, you know. Yeah, it was it was it was freaky. But I think that's like that's how that's how long Nirvana the Van the Show has been in the can. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's going? Oh, I mean, everyone asks you guys what's going on. It's getting closer. I feel like to it us is. being well. Yeah, I know. We just we, we it, the the thing that has that delayed us was that Vice Canada disappeared right. while we were in the middle of making season three, and then when Vice Canada was no longer making television, we migrated to Vice US, and then there was a I would say a massive legal discussion that took place. Well, also, that we're didn't the format of. Viceland and their TV shows change, right? Like most of the shows that were on the air when you guys were on the air are now gone. Yeah, yeah exactly. They're 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 all gone. Like all all the inf- but we were the only narrative show that they were sort of making. I remember they had a show starring James Vanderbeek too. Oh, Diplo, where, that Diplo thing. Yeah, yeah, Diplo show, which I never actually got to see, but I think it was it was canceled quite early. I think they made like three episodes. I I, I should I should probably know that. Although Vanderbeek's cool. Interesting guy, Dawson. But we did but, become sort of like a hot potato once that building collapsed. Because they were legally protecting us. And then I think as soon as the states saw what we were doing from a legal point of view, look, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't in the room when they were having these discussions, but I imagine they saw our show and were like, what the hell is this? This is like a ticking time yeah. bomb that's going to explode and destroy everything. Yeah, it, it's it's a show that if you showed executives, they'd be like, what is this and who is it for? You know what I mean? It's like just, and, and that's the, and more and that's so, the, aren't we going to get sued for, for yeah, just think, for making it? Right. But I'm saying like, that could also be a, f- a factor in which they don't want to fight for it as much as because they don't even know like what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And so what we'd been doing is basically talking with Vice about us more or less taking over the show so that we can release the rest of it, release season three and release season one and two in the United States where season two never even got released there, which is so sad. Season two didn't come out in the States. No season two only was only released in Australia, uh, the UK and Canada. Well, and that, that there's a season two episode that, uh, it's a Wahlburgers episode that I think is probably for me in the top five, episodes of Nirvana Man. 
Yeah, that Wahlburgers episode it was a, is a, a good example of how we shot that episode like five do- times. The original episode was not about a hamburger that granted <laughs> wishes. For those of you listening to this who have no idea what our show is about, you're probably like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? A hamburger that grants wishes. But like our show all takes place in the real world about two guys who are just trying to become famous musicians, basically. But they're so stupid and the things that they will do to try to become famous musicians are completely insane. And in this episode... Matt basically discovered a hamburger that would grant but wishes it's, every single time you took a bite. It, it didn't start like that. There was a whole improv story. We had all these different storylines, and the magical wish burger was the very last piece of the puzzle of writing that that happened. Yeah. And there we were surrounded by some of the people that we write the show with. And the room was divided because this episode was a real piece of shit and it wasn't coming together. It was a pylon. And then it was was a pylon. And then all of a sudden, Max came up with this magical wish burger. I'm I'm right on board. I'm just like, this sounds great. And a lot of people just like put their face in their hands like this is a lost episode now. It's like... (laughs) <laughs> it was more like people were looking at us like, oh, well, I guess they finally lost. Well, I think, I think what separates that show is that it, it, it's also, each episode has its own kind of parody. So, like, uh, for example, you know, uh, the, there, there's a Star Wars episode, um, but it opens, there's a, there's a Daredevil sequence. Like, that's like uh, copying, you know, that's like a replicating a Daredevil battle scene, and it, you know, spoofs that. And in this episode, it's spoofing actually the uh, the uh, reality show that is Wahlburgers. So it'll cut from Matt <laughs> taking a bite of a burger, looking at the camera, and then cutting to Matt um, on a green screen talking to the camera like it's a reality show and going, um, jackpot. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Well, we just stole so much stuff from Wahlburgers. We never really watched shows like that. Or maybe Jay had. I, 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 but the idea of us doing like talking head interviews within our own show just seems so funny. Right. And then that Wahlburgers thing just kind of led the, us there. And the what's got and all the stock sound effects of like the, you know, like the great uh, reality show sound effects and uh, yeah, like, like tires screeching right, right, to a halt. Right. And like, and Jay went in and did all that music, like all that reality show music himself, just playing it all. Like, it's so crazy. It's like, as soon as you can formally play in the context of a different show and show audiences, something that like they know, but they never think of as, as anything other than the context of that show. For some reason, it's so funny. It's so funny. So, uh, this would be a good... I think, you know, what's called... I, there is... I think Jay, Jay Texan was like, I'll, I'll tell some stories that have never been heard from the making of yeah. Nirvana the Van the Show, is what you said. Yeah. And I wonder... Jay, why did you say that? Oh, well, this was... Uh... Uh, not really discussed yeah. with uh, Matt and... Uh... Well, Matt, what do you think? Should we tell... Should we? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you tell these great stories that have never been <laughs> well, heard now before, I'm, Now I'm not sure if we should. You want to just reread your well, text exchange about, with how Finn about over the Your air. favorite stories ever, these genius stories. Yeah, the yeah, genius, genius stories, stories. pitched Finn. Here's the thing. Or you can talk about things instead of this whole never heard before which uh-huh. you could just tell a, a story about nirvana the band the show i could ask you a question that has to do with the show and then you can tell a story based on that sure we'll give you the the god's honest truth of what happened okay. right matt god's honest truth 
Um, okay. Well, you know what? Well, I'll tell a story that that we. I think I don't even know if we told you guys this, but the story of how we did that museum. Yes, this is this uh, is robbery. So, yeah, I guess you could. Uh, this is exactly what I was going to ask, Matt. I guess you can explain this setup and the episode, kind of. Well, I'll say for those who don't know, every single episode of the show, we try to do something in the real world that that seems like impossible. Um, and there's there's small examples like once we, like we try to sneak a float into the Santa Claus parade in Toronto and then and then we kind of do um, and we and that's sort of what the show's based on like two stupid people pitching things that are impossible but then actually doing them but it's not a prank show it's like they're doing it for their own reasons and so in this episode in season two we thought oh wouldn't it be amazing to do an actual like bank heist like where we go into a place and actually steal something incredibly valuable and then run away with it. Um, and so we thought, oh, we'll just go and make it seem like we're robbing the, like the biggest museum in Canada, which is a place called the ROM. And, so, and we don't ever want to actually like, you know, do anything really, really bad and, like, and make the public upset. Like that's not really our intention. We just want to make it seem as though we did, kind of like a magic trick. And so what we did was we came up with this plot where Matt and Jay needed a map from inside this museum. And so we had, I won't, I guess I don't want to incriminate anybody, but we had somebody go in and build piece by piece an exhibit inside this museum without the museum knowing we were doing it. So, and it was happening piece by piece using pieces that our art director uh, was making to fit in with all the other pieces. But we couldn't just yeah, go so in past in. security with a bunch of pieces for this. So we had a team of people just sort of sneak in different pieces or panes of wood or one pane of breakaway, breakaway glass, glass and a plaque yeah, and that looks built- like the other plaques with the explanation of uh, the old map of Toronto. And so over the course of like a, like a period of time, this team secretly built an entire exhibit Within this museum. With an old-looking fake, but very real-looking old map under glass, under lights, with a plaque in a How, how long did that take? A day. Uh, it, it took them yeah. a day, but, but Jay and I were in the museum waiting for them to give us the call to say, okay, it's ready. Because we figured this thing is going to get caught immediately, and we're going to have to, like, we're going to have to do this instantly. So they gave us the signal that it was built. And what's crazy is that we didn't get to have any kind of meeting or anything. Jay and I just had to go and shoot this scene. So we walked down to that part of the, and we've never seen this before also. So we walked down to this part of the museum. We see it. We go up and do this scene. But what's crazy is that there's other people around us watching us talk about this map. And they get involved, specifically this old French guy who walks right up to us and they don't see the cameras. And he's like, what are you guys trying to do? What is this? And I was like, oh, I really need this map. I need, I, need, I need to get this for our plan. And this guy says, well, why don't you just use your phone? And what he meant was, why don't you take a picture with your phone? But because Jay and I knew we were going to break this thing, I took his suggestion and was like, yeah, perfect. I'll use my phone. So then I take my phone out of my pocket and smash the glass with it as though that's what this old French man told me to do. And as soon as I do that, it's like 
chaos because Jay and I know, okay, we got to reach and grab the map and walk out. But this guy's right beside us being like, what are you so doing? We've caused this a, is crazy. We've caused a scene at this point. We've caused a huge scene. And so we're thinking, okay, that's fine. I'll just grab the map. And then Jay and I start walking out of the museum. And we think we that's think it. Any, we think any second camera- now we're going to cut the cameras and we'll have our scene. We'll go back and edit it. Like we think the scene's done. At this point, but we're walking out but, just so we but have. But what it all you in don't realize is that this French guy is probably tell other people, telling other people, telling security. Well, everyone's looking well, around, it's, it, but very it's quickly, way worse than that. very quickly, there's this, this huge guy starts walking towards us, and he grabs Matt by the neck, and he goes, he, "Stop right there!" No, he says, "Don't." Oh move. yeah, don't move. He says, "Don't move," and I'm looking at this guy, and I'm like, because you got to understand in our show sometimes people will set things up for Jay and I to experience that we aren't going to expect. And so like there's 5% of me that's thinking that the producers have put this here, have planted this guy to kind of scare us and make us run or something. But if, if that was true, this guy's the best actor in the world because he's huge. He's grabbed me and clearly he knows we've stolen this thing from the museum. And so, and you can, you can watch this if you watch the show because it's all one take. He says, don't move. And I turn to Jay and I say, run. Because I know that if we stop, the scene's dead, and at least this is going to turn into something. So I spin out of this guy's grasp, and Jay and I take off. We're running like hell out of the museum. And as we do, this guy takes off after us. He's screaming. This person is, a, is, a, is an uh, undercover police officer. For those of you who are listening, wondering, like, what's this guy Holy doing? Shit. He's like, like an off-duty screaming uh, right. across the atrium of this place, and you can hear it echoing. He's saying, "Stop those Stop guys! Those guys. Well, Stop those these. guys!" And and who's filming, Jared or Andrew? Jared is chasing us. There's uh, another camera in the museum. I think from Luca the top? is also. Filming, yeah, yeah, and then there's a camera from the top. Except I don't think we cut to that because we wanted to, this all to play in one right. take. And so then we run, we literally run past security, who are all like, "What the hell's going on?" This and is they're crazy. filing into the shot from the sides as Jared's following. Like they're us. all trying to, they're all trying to catch us, and we run out of the museum, and they chase after us like crazy, and we're like, "Holy shit, this is so." Like, so there, what happens in the episode from there is that you guys run out of the museum. And security keeps running after you until you get into the train. Until we get to the right. subway, and then we escape on the but, subway. So where? So, so what's great about it? What makes it perfect for editing is that at first you have these real security guys chasing after you, and you blur out their faces. Exactly. At what point do you cut and then have lookalikes come in and chase you? For the rest of the scene, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it 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 played yeah, out. It was months later. It played out very nicely because later. we we were watching it back and we're like, "This is great." But and we had the uh, Indiana Jones chase music because the whole right. parody of Indiana Jones was being at play too. And we watch it, but it happened so quickly, and you almost expect that the Indiana Jones parody should continue and do this kind of panning running shot just the way they do in the Last Crusade, right? And so we had the idea to. Then go back later with fake security, dressed the same, and then get a, a shot from the street out of the side of a Jeep that panned along with us. And we did this huge chase scene all the way into a so uh, subway. where did the original scene end? The original scene it ended... ended well, well, but that's, a, that's almost an absurd question because there was... There was no scene, yeah. But I mean, when did you guys... Like, 
I, what actually scene, happened? I mean, I meant the original I meant way. When when did you guys turn around and go, hey, hey, stop, so stop, stop, stop? Down the street, we stopped. Jay, Jay, Jay threw no, up. I did. Like you, we were running I've heard so you say that, that on uh, on a few interviews. You're like, Jay threw up everywhere. <laughs> and I, you threw I up. I felt Jay. very sick. I never barfed though. I don't know why. That's you, that's not like a prideful thing, but. Uh, Hey, you know what? Sure. I threw honest. up everywhere. It makes the story better. I threw up everywhere and we had to but stop. But we stopped and, and, and the two guys, security guys, showed up and we were face to face with them on the street. And, and, they, and they were cool. Well, one of them was cool. One, like, so right away we're like, it's fake, it's fake, it's fake. And one of the guys goes, show it to me. Give it here. And we're like, look, we're doing a show. <laughs> we're doing a show. And one of the guys goes, really? No way. He, oh, wait, Nirvana the band? Like, <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> yeah. And the other guy was like, wait, wait, don't give him any credit. Wait, wait a second. Stay here. <laughs> So they were a little bit, <laughs> but then, at they were, odds. then they were then they were totally nice to yeah. us. And then it was the weekend, so like none of the actual museum staff was there. It was actually a completely good vibe. But what I wanted to say is that this is actually getting right into that thing that we were talking about before, where it's like we went out to shoot something thinking it was going to be this one thing, and then when it transformed into this whole other thing, it was actually Jay who was like, "We should just have this scene keep going." It's so good. Let's have this sequence continue and run on the subway and do all this crazy shit. And it was like, yeah, right. obviously. Because we didn't think there'd be a chase scene. And now that there is, it's like 10 times better. And that's why it wound up being, I think, in many ways, like one of the best episodes we've ever made. Because you watch that not knowing how we did it. And you're like, this is fucking insane. I'm watching yeah. a crime. And the crime is turning into a story. And then yeah. when you guys, the rest of the episode takes place in... Uh, on the train tracks of the subway of Toronto, what do you, were you, it really looks like, are you guys on abandoned, tra- like, are you guys on abandoned subway tracks? No, we're in the, we're in the real subway. We're, we're, we're in the actual, like, Toronto right. subway When you system. jump, but, when you jump onto the tracks, yeah. is that you jumping onto the tracks? Yes. Well, I mean, li- yeah, it's me jumping onto, like, what do you mean? It can't be fake. I mean, but I'm like, saying, I'm saying people are, people, when you, if you were riding the subway, or Jay, let's say you were riding the subway and you saw a guy jump onto the tracks. That's usually crazy. It's crazy, man. There's but a you trick. Know, we have a trick in there. There's, there's a, a trick, trick in there. Okay. We have we have there's a magic trick that happens, which is that yes, I jump onto the subway, and yes, it's like at like a, a subway platform, but there's a, there's a hidden cut in between when I jump. Sorry, between when I'm about to jump and when I jump where we teleport into a different subway station that has that no has train been, that well that has just been abandoned it still does have trains but there's no people there like they never so let we went the we found the first scene and the backdrop of the real subway track and we put an actor there who looks like a stranger with a certain backpack swish away and when we swish back that same actor is there and we have a very similar angle Looking, on the end yeah. of the train tracks so right. it looks the same. But you can actually, now that you know this, you could look back and see completely all the different details that have changed. Right. But you're really looking yeah. at match yeah, jumping I on mean, the it's pretty seamless. It's very seamless. Um, that's The crazy thing that happened with this museum thing is how it absolutely halted our um, showing of this episode. We didn't even end up delivering it because we ended up in a big huge boardroom at vice surrounded by lawyers and directors and everybody there that had us cornered and saying this episode will never ever see the light of day and why is that 
because uh, well, because the the museum, the museum was threatening uh, was so was so pissed and they said that they were going to like sue everybody and actually it wasn't even sue us they said they were going to throw us Ch- all in yeah, jail yeah they said they were going to charge us with mischief assault um trespassing um and obviously that didn't happen what 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 made it not happen we we held our ground you should have and, seen and, matt in this meeting across from their main lawyer who was like shouting at him because we were trying to come up with emptying our pockets, trying to be like, guys, can't we figure out a way around this? And she got so mad at Matt. She was like, excuse me, I don't know where you think you went to law school, but I'm telling you right now, the law is, is firm on this. It's over. And we're looking around the room and everyone had long faces. A lot of people there on our team at Vice who was, who were used to fighting these sort of battles for us. They all were looking at their feet and it was over for us, and we were told it would never, ever, ever air, and that we have to bury it. And th- yeah. yeah, but but after she said that, was there any conversation in the room? I laughed. <laughs> you, you did. I remember. I, I laughed, and I was like, well, "I know that's how what you feel, but let's be real. You're like an old lady." And I, I don't care if that's what you think. I I promise you. That this episode is going to air unchanged on television. I don't know when, but I'm not going to change it. But also legally, you have permits of you have permits, don't you? Oh yeah, we hadn't broken the law. Well, that was the, that was the big issue, and that's and, what and I was that's what I'm behind. saying. In that's and that's why I I would have stood with you is that you didn't. Also, it it's almost acting like it's you know. That's like if Times Square tried to sue you, right? In a way, like, yeah. It, 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 we 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 we're good little boys, right? Like we never like our producers are so, especially Matt Miller is such a like a letter of the law kind of guy that he doesn't let us go into situations where we'd ever get our footage taken away, right? Like I went through this exact same thing at NASA when we were making that moon landing movie, where it, it, we wouldn't have gone to shoot it if legal action being threatened could have destroyed the film, right? Right, because why waste your time? Like, so you, we were always in positions where that couldn't happen, and this was just somebody who it really was just this one lawyer who thought. I mean, she definitely oh, hadn't seen uh, the episode either. No, she saw it. Oh no, no, oh she yeah. saw it. Oh yeah, we and showed it to her. It simply, I think, comes down to that so many people in this industry, especially people who are working like behind the scenes and some of the lawyers and stuff, don't want to do the extra legwork to actually wiggle through a situation like this and make sure that it works. And that's and why all, we had to get our novelty. own lawyers on it. And yeah, it was a it's, wild, like nine months. It was months. Yeah, it was months, months of, of, of just arguing. And it, it was, and it, to me, again, it's just always reiterating that, that, that novelty at, in any form when it's met with bureaucracy is just like a crazy... Like they just don't go together because people who are working in salaried jobs in any place where it's like no matter what happens, they're still going to come into work the next day. Are are they're incentivized to not have to deal with novel situations or situations that are going to be more work? And I know that's a cynical way of looking at the creative arts, but there are enough people now that are kind of clogged in the mechanism of making almost anything that's going to be on television or in a movie theater that that you are going to need to deal with people whose main focus is to not work. 
Right. Like they're they're basically sinecures who do, who get paid tons of money and do not want one to get in trouble and get fired and two work any harder than they absolutely have to. And that is anathema to people who are trying to break new ground telling stories in unique ways. And so that's I think that war's been waged for anathema? Years. You anathema. What does that mean? Yeah, it mean these two guys know what it means. We won't embarrass you by having to explain okay, it. Thanks. Uh, yeah, yeah no I, have, I have no idea what it means. Um, I will. I will say. I think maybe some of it has to do with being in Canada too. Um, I think. Uh, I don't know. What? It, what? I wonder if. What if? Would it been worse if you did this in, in America. Or would it have been just as you know, like like could uh, we have been shot as we're running away? <laughs> the thought Probably. crossed our minds. <laughs> yeah, there is a kind of innocence about being Canadian when you do this stuff, where you're just like. But also ah, legal. I mean, really I mean, happen. more legally, uh, would it be there? There hmm. are more risk takers in the states legally than there are. In yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. Big time, big time. Like like Canada is not a risky country when it comes to breaking new ground. Right in in I would say the arts or in law. Now I'm sure there are, are exceptions to that, but there were in our case no. Oh my god, oh my god. So you so you had permission to shoot everywhere you shot, or like a permit, right? Because like no, you came no, to we never my had permits. We never had permits. Oh really? Yeah. Just permission though. Or? No, we never had permission. I'll tell you. I'll tell, tell any filmmaker listening to this. Permits. Yeah, is that if you're shooting in any public place. Now, don't, I'm not a lawyer, so don't take my word as law. That's the caveat I'll add to this. But our experience has been that permits, for the most part, are punitive to filmmakers. Okay, so now it's time to play the game. Uh, this is recorded a day after we recorded with Matt and Jay. Uh, sadly, they cannot participate because Matt's uh, gamer headset shorted out, and uh, it stopped recording at about 70 minutes. Let's pitch one together. And I'm going to do it, and I'm going to get actors who are alive and not canceled on the first time, right? And I'm going to give us a freaking sci-fi movie. And that's a great title. And here comes the great actors. Yeah, dude, there we go. Sweet. The Burden of Shangri-La, starring Tom Hiddleston and Sean Penn. Sean Penn lives on a spaceship a hundred years into the future after Earth has been destroyed. He was a uh, a real rich guy who uh, uh, ended up getting off of Earth before it kind of before shit hit the fan and that there was a big war. And that what is his spaceship? The, the Shangri La, a hotel turned spaceship. Um, because I mean, I think Shangri-La means something, but I also know that it is a hotel in Toronto. Yeah. It's a chain. It's a chain. Yeah, it's, is it nice. a chain? Yes. Oh yeah, exactly. So it's a, it's a Shangri-La hotel <laughs> in space. Right. Uh, in, <laughs> in space. Hiddleston is kind of like the, uh, the, the, uh, the Ray Fiennes. In I was going to, I was literally hotel. about to say the Ray Fiennes, but then I got distracted by the noise. That's right. perfect. We're on the same page. Okay, great. I got, I, this is why we're partners, man. So yeah. th- what's interesting is that they're both on the Shangri-La ship kind of going and, you know, seeing you going to different planets and, uh, I guess this would kind of be more like a franchise almost. 
they're going to different planets, kind of picking up the, the civilians of the planets and seeing if they want to kind of have a, a little weekend getaway at their spaceship uh, hotel. So they're going to like other, like, so there's aliens on the, it's kind of like um, that Valerian, did you say Valerian? I didn't, but. So it's, well, I, I haven't seen it, but um, okay. it's kind of, I guess, like Valerian if I'd seen it, where there's all these different planets and all the aliens on there. So then, yeah, Hiddleston is kind of the, the Ray Fiennes hotel manager in space for aliens. And then who is Sean Penn? He's a rich guy. And he's, what's the goal? I feel like the, the world building is great, but it. what's the story? What's the character? What's going on? Who, what's, what are we rooting for? We're rooting for his, Sean Penn's kind of cunning, uh, you know, a little uh, uh, kind of dark, almost kind of a Wall Street type of thing where he's, you know, you know he's kind of a scumbag, but he's so likable that, uh, that you're rooting for him. So he's overcharging aliens. So know. I thought Sean Penn just lived on the hotel. Oh, no, 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 no. He owns this joint. Oh. Yeah. So, so he's the hotel owner Correct. on the Shangri-La. Yes. Hiddleston yes. is the is, hotel is, manager. Yes. They're going around space, picking up aliens, and overcharging them? Overcharging them, uh, you know, coming up with, you know, uh, uh, deals. Uh, uh. Overcharging <laughs> them or coming up with deals? The opposite. <laughs> both on the same page here it's exactly the same you're not even on the same page with yourself because you just said overcharge them and then deals right after one another well both are both are both are separate uh obviously he, both are separate <laughs> i don't i don't know man unless sean, it's deals like i'm sorry i'm sorry are you trying to poke holes in a movie where sean penn owns a hotel in space that's the movie. I'm sorry. I, get, I mean, yeah, I just feel like maybe it needs some type is of there, character development or like a goal. They're just floating no, around space no. aimlessly you know what? ripping people it. off. I'm changing it into a porno. It's a porno? Yeah, now he's now he's he's slinging he's he's slinging alien Jesus Christ. <laughs> On the way. Yeah. Fine, I'll, yeah, it's a, well, we're not going to call it a porno, but we'll call it, like, a, a very, a graphic, uh, film. There's graphic sex in the film. X-rated. It, yeah, kind of like a Lars von Trier movie. Right, like an but Antichrist. Fine, I'll take that, and then we'll say, Penn is this playboy, gazillionaire, hotel owner floating through space, slinging alien <laughs> I believe is the words that you said. Yeah. For, you know, years, decades, and now all of a sudden he gets a letter saying that he may have a son, kind of like in the Jim Jarmusch movie, Broken Flowers. And right. now he's kind of going through space with his trusty hotel manager, Hiddleston, mm-hmm. uh, trying to find who this, this son is in space. Right. Because I he's feel just like been we're saying so the same thing. We're saying different things because what you said was it was just a movie about him ripping people off and giving them deals. <laughs> and then you said it was a porno. And then now I feel like I'm trying to like connect the dots here and make it so there's like something that we're going towards. I'm, I fuck you. We're not we're not writing partners anymore. This is good that this is the last episode because I'm never gonna speak to you again. Listen, we finished in a fu- oh a Sam Adams thing is playing. Uh, we finished in a, a grand ball type of way. Uh, the best pitches we've ever fucking given. Um, here's the thing. Uh. 
we uh, that I, I I guess I would like to say thank you to everyone who actually who listened to this podcast. Um, this is kind of the end of the f- the first season. We will come back. My schedule is about to get a, lo- a lot crazier, so um, you know we're kind of gonna play it by ear about scheduling and how we're gonna record. But the people that did listen to this, thank you so much. Yeah, the thank you. Of our hearts. Thank you guys so much, and I'd like to thank Jake and Amir as well, and everybody else at Headgum, yeah. Jeff and Riley, and all of our guests: Artoon, Nick, uh, yeah. Matt, Jay, Amir. Jeff, yep. Riley, I can't be, I'm not forgetting anybody. I don't think so. I said Artoon. Yep. Dempsey wasn't a guest because he wasn't allowed. It's no, my brother. Yeah, your brother was not allowed. Um, <laughs> Josh in an unreleased episode. Yep. Oh, can I uh, quickly plug my podcast called Dwarven Moss? Yeah, of course. It's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. That's it. That's all you yep. get. Hit it. Mysterious. Yeah, I- and everyone look out for Nirvana the band the show. Everyone look out for um for Kid Detective and look out for Matt's uh come upcoming stuff. Um so yeah, thank you everybody so much. It was I we I I had a ton of fun doing this. It's been super awesome and um we're we're releasing merch right now uh with the launch of this episode. So we're going to sell it for like a a week. We're going to sell it. For, I think we're going to do a pre-order yeah. for a week and then we're never going to sell it again. So, um I'll have the exact details. They'll be all figured out before this comes out, but uh it'll be available for about a week and then we're never going to sell them again. And uh we're yeah, we're just really grateful to have had this experience. So, thank you. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much everybody. See you uh see you at the next episode. That was a Headgum podcast.